Hello Rebels, before we kick off today's episode, let me ask you a question. What if we could help you unlock your marketing superpower in one day or less? Actually, to be precise, I mean three hours. Yes, you heard it right. What I'm asking you is three hours of your time to join us for a brand new intensive experience on Marketing Deep Dive. One day masterclass that will help you create marketing strategies that capture hearts and mind. And every single masterclass is going to dive deep into one of our favorite topics of marketing. Maybe that email marketing, hiring, or even automations and beyond. If you want to get the fast track ticket to become irresistible, then I suggest you check out our upcoming marketing deep dive, where you're going to get two hours of hands-on training with lots of exercises and practical group work as well. Plus one hour bonus office hours and Q&A. Oh, and we also have a personalized dashboard and bonus templates to help you apply what you learn in our three hours. And just to put a little bow on it, you also get a certificate of completion to show up wherever you can see. If you'd like to find out what is coming up next and which one is our next marketing deep dive, all you have to do is go to amschool.click slash masterclass. There you'll be able to find our schedule with our upcoming masterclass for you to join. On with today's show. Hello team, it's Fab here, founder of Alt Marketing School, and I am back with yet another amazing interview for this week's podcast. And this week, I'm going to introduce you to my new friend, Dylan Yes, indeed. Dylan is the amazing founder of Growth Currency. And if you don't know it, it's actually an amazing newsletter that has been publishing for a couple of years. So today's topic is all newsletters. So you can kind of guess I'm going to get pretty excited because if you know me well enough, you will know that I love a good newsletter. And before we jump into my new chat with my new best friend. Let me tell a bit more about Dylan. Uh, he lives on the west coast of Canada with his wife and kids, where he works as a marketer by day and a newsletter publisher by night. He's been writing and publishing the Growth Currency newsletter since January 2021 and has published over 100 editions of this weekly newsletter. His newsletter earned him over $10,000 in 2022 through ads and sponsorships and even affiliate revenue. When he's not working or publishing, Dylan enjoys spending time with his family, running and woodworking. And yes, we also talk about some of his other passions that you will discover in today's episode. I really hope you're going to enjoy this. I had a blast and it was so much fun to connect with Dylan. And as always, enjoy today's class. And yeah, oh, by the way, shout out to our new little merch or non-merch. And yeah, before I forget, may today's class begin. already friends i was gonna yes. say this before oh okay excellent yay <laughs> i was gonna say even because you already complimented my singing voice so thank you you lied <laughs> for me already and i appreciate that you're the first uh you're the first person i've done a podcast with where the first noise or sound i hear on the other end is singing so it was very it was a great start it set the tone i loved it I cannot promise I will do it for everybody else. Um, but, you know, I think this was a special thing. And also, t- 
Toto came out of nowhere for some reason. So I was I was surprising myself at why that came into my head. So again, it was a very special thing, and I appreciate you lying for me uh, about my performance. So That's I hope friends you set the tone. <laughs> You see, they support each other all the way through the end, mm-hmm. at the beginning and at the end. That's right. Well, you know, since we're already friends, I'd, I would even throw away my ice-breaking questions today. Mm-hmm. But then I'm curious. So as good friends do, they still ask the questions. So I'm actually going to jump straight into it even more sure. so because I'm eager to know. Dylan, I want to know about the past. I want to know the about past. jobs. Oh, oh, yes. I want to know about oh, your man. first job. Can you remember your first job? What was it and what did you learn from it? We're going way back. Uh, I think first official job that I got paid for was probably working for my dad. He was in construction. So he'd like in spring break at school or summers, I'd go out to the job sites, clean up garbage and scrap pieces of wood and do all the stuff that nobody else wanted to do. And I hated it miserably. And uh, I didn't do it for money. I did it because my dad told me I had to do it. So <laughs> I would rather not earned money and stayed at home and just, you know, played and hung out with friends. So did you learn anything from it? Or you think maybe we have mm. another job that you maybe, again, you felt more like you wanted to get into it and it taught you more. I mean, we can learn from any jobs. That, that's yeah. what I want to say. But yeah, I was wondering whether there was something you learned from it outside the fact that you didn't like it. <laughs> Yeah, well, that was the main, that was the most important lesson is like, I knew that I did not want to do that kind of work. And so, uh, it helped me decide in the future going, you know, going forward, you know, a couple of decades almost, uh, or a decade and a half, at least, uh, what I did want to do and, and that there were jobs that we could do that we can enjoy a little bit. We don't have to just be slaves to, you know, a paycheck. So it was an important learning in that for sure. Would you say that? Because of what you do and who you are today, which we're talking about, first of all, also because emails is one of my favorite topics as well. <laughs> so yay. But awesome. also because obviously, see, we're already friends. Everybody knows that the listener is already tuned in. So it's fine. Uh, <laughs> but also I love the fact that it's very specific, again, what you do, which I appreciate when it comes to that expertise element. And so my question is talking about obviously, you know, kind of deciding what you want to do and kind of defining your own job and your own path. How do you find that the, the the path of figuring out that email is really the area, the tool, the side of marketing that you really wanted to kind of zero in? Mm. How did that come about then? Kind of happened somewhat, I'd say serendipitously, um, almost accidentally, because I had done email marketing in a few previous marketing roles. Um, but I wasn't like, that wasn't my dedicated job. That was just as most maybe marketing professionals know, as a generalist, you're like, you do a little bit of social media, a little bit of email marketing, a little bit of copy, website maintenance, you know, you do kind of a little bit of everything. Right. And uh, at least in the roles I had, I did. So, um, I did a little bit of, you know, MailChimp. I worked with an active campaign and, you know, platforms like that. But then, um, in 2021, I decided about yeah, just over two years ago, I, uh, at the very beginning of 2021, I had decided that creating my own personal newsletter was something I wanted to do. And I knew the importance. I didn't have anything to sell anyone, um, but I knew that maybe in the future I might. And building an email list, making a business with an email list is going to be one of the uh, most dependable ways, at least to grow an audience and, and build kind of a customer, future customers or, you know, the thousand true fans type of thing. So I 
I was kind of growing on Twitter and I decided that that is a very questionable strategy. You're using somebody else's uh, software and platform and um, that leaves you susceptible to things changing and you not having access to that audience. So the email list seemed like the safer way to go. And so I started publishing a newsletter and then I learned over the last two years, um, along a lot about different, you know, email service providers like Substack and ConvertKit and all these other ones that are around. And then also, um, what it takes to publish a weekly newsletter for over a hundred, you know, straight weeks. So that's kind of the, the beginning of how I got into it and fast forward to where I am now, but there's a lot that happened in the middle there. First of all, I love that you mentioned the word dependable uh, as a, as a tool and reliable mm-hmm. because I think that's one of that has been my pet peeve. Again, if if I may go a bit down memory lane myself, please. Uh, I I did mention that I just I just love emails and I love them pretty much since maybe we started our first email newsletter in 2016 when I like okay. my old company when I was when I was kind of starting my company but I also had it for my personal stuff all the time and I've tried them all multiple times and you go to Substack and then you go back to this and then you go back to that <laughs> and I always found that was the hardest sell when it came to teaching clients now students a lot less because of obvious reasons because the landscape has changed mm-hmm. but it was the hardest thing everybody was like just tell me how to grow on Instagram tell me Rich. how to obviously you know all the business stuff, fair enough. And then tell me how to grow on social. Maybe tell me how to kind of like, you know, great consistency in my blog. But email, I don't really want to hear about because I don't know. I think there's a lot of fear. Maybe we're going to talk about a bit today, but there was fear of what would you tell people? You know, would people want you in their inbox? And just overall, it felt like it was maybe not a channel that you know, people would actually want to invest on. And then you think about it again, retrospectively, I've been teaching hundreds of email marketing workshops now. And I always say to people, this is a place that everybody goes back to. And when you have your little spot in somebody's inbox, if you treat it well, if you treat it with respect, mm-hmm. that is a huge asset. So I love that you mentioned the word dependable because that's how it's always felt for me. And nobody mm-hmm. was listening. <laughs> nobody <laughs> nobody believed me. And now Dylan's here to tell us that it is ah, true. So yeah. <laughs> Yes. No, absolutely <laughs> true. You're onto something 100%. Now, before we get back into emails, I have maybe the answer will be emails and newsletters, but I doubt it. <laughs> Another icebreaker question I have is, um, what would be a trivia category, Dylan, you'd be really good at and why? Uh, wow, that's a good question. So I would say maybe anything related to either hockey or football. So American ho- American football and, you know, NHL, because I grew up loving sports, watching a lot of sports, collecting sports cards. So that in that realm, um, especially like eighties and nineties, um, sports trivia, that would be, that would be probably not a bad place to, to go. So you're literally, I love it. You literally are kind of taking the full sports trivia pursuit kind of vibe there, which, which I appreciate as well. I want to ask you then, I'm going to kind of like side away into my final icebreaker question, okay. which is, since we're all about encouraging making a positive impact and obviously marketing to hearts, not to brains, I want to hear from you based on a bit of the backstory that you gave us and where you are right now. What does making a positive impact on your audience, Dylan, mean to you and why? Hmm. So I think making a positive impact on your audience is being more, basically your ratio to being helpful and you know providing value as that's a bit of a cliche term these days, but being helpful and not asking needs to be a much higher than than the other way around. So for every every 
maybe sale or ask that you have for the, from the, your customer, your email base, um, you should be, you know, offering support, value, information, education, like tenfold. So I think that to me, it's, I'm not saying that you can't, you know, promote a course or a product or a service, um, ever, but I think that, that it really comes down to not taking advantage of people's trust. And, you know, they subscribe to your newsletter and then all you're doing is just trying to sell them on this, that, and the other thing or every other affiliate product opportunity that comes your way. So that to me is what, what it means more so and being kind of your as authentic and genuine and sincere as you, as you can be in your, in your communication. It's really powerful that you reframed like that kind of ask the ask mm. piece, because realistically speaking, especially when it comes to a medium like email, that I always say is a, is a personalized communication at scale. We, again, mm-hmm. we tend to forget that. We're literally getting to everybody's inbox. And if we use personalization, you even say, hi, Fab. Hi, Dylan. Or hi, legend. Yeah. You know, <laughs> yeah. so there is, you know, there is that connection that kind of goes into that. Oh, it's, you are literally talking to me. And as you say, is almost that reminder that, I'm going to say it now and I want to hear your opinion. We can't be lazy no more because as I said, it used to be an industry, used to be a tool that people were just thinking, oh, I'm going to use it to share what I'm up to. Fine. And mm-hmm. or share what we're offering. Fine. And that kind of almost cut it because the expectations, in my opinion, and the level of sophistication when it came to the email and the amount of value you will get was good or average. Again, I'm talking about 2018. So probably we're going a bit back there. You know, and now the level is so much higher. The quality is so much higher. You know, people are really putting so much value into their emails. And that's the other thing. Instead of thinking about it as a negative, use it as a positive to inspire you to create better content. But that's mm-hmm. what I've personally found. Again, being like a, almost like a, an old lady <laughs> in the email marketing industry. That's what I've found that the quality has changed tenfolds and Email is almost still a bit of a baby when it comes to like the way that it can evolve to become better and better as Absolutely. email marketing because more and more tools are coming out with better integrations and better tools to allow to make it better. So mm-hmm. am I just being an old woman looking at how things were in the past or am I onto something? <laughs> no, I think you're totally onto something. And while you're talking, I just got a bit of a, almost a comparable sort of metaphor. So if you think about, you know, actual physical mail that we receive in our mm. mailboxes, Right. You can get various kinds of mails, uh, of mail, right? You can get letters from friends and postcards. You can get, you know, the junk mail, um, or the catalog with ha- that has sales and promotion offers. And you can get like actual magazines that you subscribe to and that sort of thing. So you can kind of think about email has all of those different forms as well, right? And what are you more excited to receive in your mailbox when you go and open your mailbox? A bill? No, obviously not. Um, postcard from friend is great, but like if you if you subscribe to one of you know your favorite magazines, um, not that a lot of people are subscribed to physical magazines these days, but you know back in the day, you'd get you know the new issue of Sports Illustrated or something along those lines, and you're excited to pour through it and really really invest your afternoon in, into reading it. And so I think you know you can consider what you're sending people to their inbox in a similar way. Like, are people actually going to be excited to open up their inbox? and take out this piece of mail and consume it? Or are they just going to be like, uh, not another one of these buy one, get one 50% off deals. You know what I mean? So I think it, if you can kind of almost put it into those terms, it helps, it helps you think about email marketing, 
um, and email newsletters as well in two different ways because a newsletter is going to be more like that Sports Illustrated issue, whereas email marketing is going to be like, here's your promotional, you know, our seasonal catalog promotional offer kind of thing. So I don't know if that uh, kind of plays into what you're saying there, but that it just really jumped into my head when you were talking about that. I'm obsessed with the analogy just because I... I long of somebody sending me a cheeky letter or a little card as well. Right. And I think that's the other thing, you know, is like some, some of the best emails I've received are the ones, um, shout out to Jay Klaus, who also we had on the mm. podcast. Mm. Um, obviously, Jay's I shout out to Jay. Uh, and he one he, he sends one of the best kind of welcome, not even sequence, because actually it's just an email, at least a time of that I received it. But like the simplest welcome email that actually you can see that is very thoughtful is audience. And this is what, why I love what you mentioned. And it kind of reflects back on if other things have changed. First of all, I had to battle to remind people that it's important to think about the experience post subscription. Like mm-hmm. a lot of people were rolling their eyes. And now I think again, people are a bit more aware, but we still find that a lot of the welcome sequences or the welcome emails, it's still like what you would expect, but also it still kind of feels a bit like just an afterthought. Whereas... His example was the one of almost like a little postcard or a little note sent from somebody to you specifically. Mm. And it was nice because it was refreshing. Maybe I, I literally consume too many emails and I look at it always. I don't know if you do the same. You look at it with a very analytical head instead of just enjoying it. But I was yeah. thinking, this was actually nice. This was different. <laughs> I enjoyed that. I don't know if you do that as well. When you look at an email and you're like, I really want to read this, but also I love what they did there. Or mm, I don't like that. Or maybe I should try that. Is it just mm-hmm. me? <laughs> no, it's not just you. Absolutely not. No, there. I, I'm a little bit of a nerd when it comes to that as well. Like I'll save uh, welcome emails that I get from people if they're, especially if they're good, or sometimes if they're like, "Here's what not to do," right? And you, at least in your opinion, mm. if you felt if you felt rubbed the wrong way or that they were um, doing something that maybe they they shouldn't have. So I think there's a great opportunity to use your use your interests right like that to use to make case studies and ex- great examples and swipe files of of uh, what you can do and what you can share with others too so that's i can relate that's a good shout again i i call them a lot of different ways depending on the day but swipe files is also what we know a lot of them as and i think every good marketer regardless of their specialization if you have one like you should mm-hmm. definitely kind of think about creating their own version of swipe files, whatever it is. Like we talk a lot about kind of notion dashboards that we create, we create mm-hmm. them with our students as well, but it can be anything. I think just like a place for you to get back to. And I think the hardest thing, and I promise we're going to go into the main section, but I'm just enjoying this, this, this rolling, rolling through. But the main thing that I struggle with and a lot of people struggle with, um, is actually then reviewing them. You know, like you save mm-hmm. all of this amazing content, like these welcome, all these emails that you love and that you don't love. And then actually finding the time to do something with it, I think is yeah. always the biggest issue. So do you have this problem and or <sighs> what would you say is a good way to actually obviate? I mean, for me, it's a work in progress, I'll be honest, because I still yeah. am consuming far more than I actually implement. But I know it's a big issue for a lot of people. I, I don't... If if you can introduce me to somebody who doesn't have this problem, I want to I want to interview them and know their secrets as well. And they could probably start a cohort-based course selling just a thousand bucks just on that. Like... Uh, yeah, I've got a, I've got a folder in my bookmarks called tab hoard. And so it's like when I have tabs <laughs> open that I'm like, no, I can't close it. I'll lose this precious information. That's going to change my life. I just shove it in that folder. So it like, it's just the anxiety release of like, okay, well mm-hmm. I saved it. If I want to go back to it, then fine. Um, but that's a different thing kind of than what you're talking about. Um, uh, but I just saw it here on my, on my screen and it reminded me, <laughs> um, but yeah, I mean, I save 
I've got a database uh, because with my newsletter, I curate about four or so links per week. And so mm. I've got a, an Airtable database of, I don't have it open right now, but I think it's got over 300 links in it, um, many of which I've published, but a lot of them are just like, save this for later because it could be useful. And so I don't have a necessarily clear strategy of how to use it, except that I know I need to at least do a skim or a quick breeze over each, each of these articles or these resources so that I can share them and, and actually speak to what they're talking about in my newsletter. So there's a bit of a forcing function to actually read them, I suppose. Um, but there's a lot that I save that I just never even, I like, I like the heading headline and I'm like, Hey, I should read that. And then it just goes in into the, the forever waste bin of, uh, things that I should read someday. <laughs> the someday pile. Yeah. Dun, dun, dun. The read later. Read never. <laughs> the read lit pile. <laughs> the read never pile. If, yeah. You know, if it were honest, the read never pile. You exactly. know what? I'm. It's super interesting because we actually have one uh, live session in our certification in our live cohort that is all about marketing systems. And I talk a lot about using the second brain, using mainly mm -hmm. Tiago Forte's um, uh, frameworks as well. So mm -hmm. obviously they're all from him, which are amazing. And you, know, you can read about it in his book as well if you're interested. And I generally find that when it comes to understanding how to actually kind of get a better system is it's just remembering the power of taking that time to look at your swipe files, the examples that you love and making some time to then define them and categorize them. And I think especially as marketers, because that's what we're talking about, people that have that kind of background, we tend to put too much pressure on ourselves and we're constantly either creating or reviewing or, or finding ideas. And I almost like to think about it as a very specific time. So it might not be mm -hmm. applicable for everyone because every brain, everybody's brain is different, quite honestly. And yeah. But I love the idea for me, for example, that structure helps. So with a lot of our students, it really helps to have that dedicated time just to kind of immerse themselves into that kind of learning because for yeah. them, it feels more natural maybe than um, watching 17 hours of LinkedIn videos, which is also fine. I think sometimes booking that time can be really powerful. So first you create yeah. a system that works for you and then actually making that time, whether it's weekly or monthly, to review mm -hmm. it and even just delete stuff that you feel actually this is not relevant or archive it can be really, really powerful. So a little yeah. something for anybody who's struggling, that's what has helped a lot of our students um, as well. I'm taking, I'm taking notes. That's uh, really good. <laughs> it's good. Yeah, like <laughs> doing a bit of time blocking and actually like setting aside 30 minutes or whatever it might be per week or per day to go over those things is 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 very smart for sure. Now, talking about smart things, let's go into class and session. It's time to talk about more smart things. And enough of me talking about systems, because that's what I could talk about all day. Uh, <laughs> I want to hear from you again. I want to hear Perfect. one thing that you can teach our students and listeners, obviously. But one thing that you can teach us in one minute or so, Dylan. Ooh. <laughs> oh, man. Uh, okay. What's one thing I could teach you in one minute? Um... I think my biggest focus in the last year has been on newsletter uh, growth and monetization. So in one minute, let me give you a quick rundown of the, the ways I found the, the quickest or the best ways you can grow your newsletter because that's what everybody struggles with the most. Because um, once you grow, then monetization can tend to be a little bit easier. So growing your newsletter, 
the main things that I found the most successful are cross promotions. So free exchange of you promote my, my newsletter, I'll promote yours. Uh, a lead magnet that is highly relevant, um, to your newsletter so that when people download it and then get on your email list to your newsletter, they're not going to be, um, there's not going to be that, uh, dissonance. Like they, they downloaded this thing that's totally different than what you're, you're talking about in your newsletter. The social media, leverage of social media to promote your newsletter, whether it's in your bio and uh, with the content you share and post, and then also tacking on your newsletter at the end of a popular thread uh, or tweet. And then um, one thing I'm like I'm doing right now, going on uh, in front of other people's audiences, going on podcasts, guest blogs, maybe guest writing in another newsletter that can also help really drive a lot of traffic. So those are a few ways that you can grow your newsletter starting today. I love these. See, you yeah. did amazing. <laughs> and, you know, and you give us actually more than one thing. You give us a lot of things we can explore. So, yay. Well done. Congrats. <laughs> Claps. Now, I'm actually going to give you one tool because, again, there's another thing that I love tools. A bit like yourself, I do kind of collect things and save things. A really good tool, I want to know if you heard about it, Dylan, as well, mm. is um, called Letter Growth. And it's mm. it's free cross-promotion and always the website. And um, the guy, Paul, that set it up. Um, it's super yeah. simple. And... Um, all you have to do is just put your newsletter in, put your info, and then every so often somebody comes through and says, hello, uh, mm-hmm. do you want to cross-promote? And because we kind of do already also as a paid thing for for other kind of options, it's kind of easy for us because we already have a system. We just give people the free option of it, if that makes sense. Yeah. Um, so, yeah, that's been really nice just because it actually sends you a reminder as well every week. So that's a nice way to do it. There are other ways like Spark Loop and other tools like that. But letter growth is nice because I think if you're not super tacky and sophisticated yet with your emails, I think is a good uh, starting point for it as well. Yeah, I agree. I've I've been following along Paul's journey for the last, oh, geez, six months, a year or so. And I don't know if you're part of the Discord group uh, that he sort of, you know, kind of beta launched letter growth in. Um, but he's got a newsletter discord group. That's amazing. It's got a lot of great newsletter publishers in there. And so, yeah, I think I just pulled up letter growth now and he's got over 230 newsletters listed, which totals 1.9 million potential subscribers. Now those may, there may be a a fair bit of overlap or crossover with those subscribers, but that's just everybody's Mm -hmm. list combined. So it's, it's a total tally of, uh, um, everyone's list there. So I think that's, it's pretty awesome. And I've started using it and, uh, can't wait to use it more. It's And it's free, which is awesome, at least for now. Yeah, I, th- I think that's the thing as well. If anything, it can actually teach you how to kind of like go about cr- like promotions because that's the other thing a lot of the time is either paid promotions or maybe you feel mm-hmm. like you're going to go into the void of somebody's inbox and it can be yeah. quite quite daunting if you'd never done it. I Again, I've done it a lot for a lot of things with all the brands that I've run. So I'm kind of used to it, but I appreciate it for some people. This is very new. So I like this because it also eases you into it and it kind of takes out a bit of the awkwardness of being like, where are you coming from? Yeah. <laughs> Why are you talking to me right now? So exactly. I really, really like that. Now, my second question for you when it comes to the class in session is looking at unlearning. Oh, yes. Instead mm-hmm. of learning, you taught us something already. Mm-hmm. I want to know about you. I want to know about something you unlearned recently. And how did that improve your life and all your work? Hmm. Something I unlearned. You're hitting me with all the hard questions today, Fab. Um, that is my job. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Something I unlearned... Um, I have started to, I guess I kind of had to unlearn swimming 
And this is kind of a weird thing to to consider because it has nothing to do with anything we're talking about. But I decided I turned 40 last month. And so my midlife, my version of a midlife crisis is signing up for a triathlon. And so, you know, prove that I'm not old, of course. <laughs> so so I'm, a, I'm not a great swimmer and part of triathlon is swimming. You have to swim uh, for an Olympic triathlon is one and a half kilometers. And, um, you know, that terrified me. And so I had to kind of like sort of relearn almost how to swim and unlearn all the bad habits I had and uh, get in the pool and, you know, basically get used to being uncomfortable in, because I'm comfortable running. I, I can run for fairly long distances um, and biking, you know, cycling is, is okay. But swimming was like, oh man, I have to swim. That's a lot of swimming. So it's been, uh, it's been an interesting challenge recently. Now that again, that may not be at all what you had expected, but that was something that uh, that jumps to mind right away. Oh no, I I love this, and I think a lot of the time we th- we think about some of like you know the most practical things, or maybe like actionable things, and then we forget that again in in life there are so many magical lessons that we can learn from again unlearning or kind of changing our perspective around some of the things that either scared us or made us uncomfortable or mm. they kind of blocked us from actually maybe again as you talked about like triathlons like actually achieving a goal and yeah. it's a great reminder that sometimes a different perspective or almost kind of like setting your mind to it because of a milestone can be a, a really powerful way to try things in a new way so Good luck with that, because the oh, price ones ain't no jokes. No. And um, I love that you actually put in the stuff as a goal for you as well. Yeah, it'll be interesting. That's for sure. Talking about teaching one more time and learning one more time, I have one more question, which is, what is one of the biggest lessons that a teacher or a mentor has taught you? I was racking through my brain thinking about all the, you know, managers and... and uh, uh, supervisors I've had over the years and I think just their actions and the things that they have the way they've treated me and treated others around me has has taught me a lot just about how to how to kind of lead and guide and serve people and then um you know being diplomatic and caring and uh and also you know discipline when they need to um so that's been great and then what I one really powerful lesson I learned from Justin Welsh who your audience is probably familiar with to some degree uh is you know, he was giving away tons and tons and tons of this free information in like 2019, 2020, when he was first really kind of really building his audience. And it blew me away how much that he wasn't really charging for any of it. And he was just sharing all this great stuff on LinkedIn, um, really tactical uh, information. And, you know, he wrote about how he believes you should just for a year, you just give, give, give as much as you can. You offer as much of your knowledge, of your advice, of your expertise as possible. So that you build the trust, you build the relationships, you build the credibility within your your audience. And once it comes time that you actually have something to sell them or offer for a fee, um, because I don't like the word sell, but once you have a service to provide that they might want to buy, it's just going to be that much easier, that much quicker of a sale. And you don't have to actually convince people. You just tell them, hey, I've got this this thing now. And uh, if you want to pay for it, and if you've been enjoying my content, I think you'll find it really valuable and really helpful. So basically it was give, 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 and then ask. And I thought that uh, that was just, um, that was a bit of a light bulb moment for me. And I think it's brilliant. And more people should adopt that than go straight to asking for a sale before they've created any kind of credibility for themselves, because I see it happen every day. One of the reasons why this resonates with me, and thank you for sharing it, 
is also because we tend to forget that, especially as we're establishing ourselves, we think that everybody knows us because we've been like talking to the void <laughs> or talking to the world, depending, for a year or nine months or six months. But in actuality, most people probably have only come across us once or twice, especially during our first year. Their touch points or the customer touch points, that's what we talk about a lot. And not that many of the audience's touch points because it's just naturally you're just kind of getting yourself out there. So I think it's that reminder and I love that you brought it back. And I can see why that will be a lot of what Justin talks about again. We talked about him before and I follow him too. So I understand kind of, I can see that in this content and I think it's a great reminder for anyone, especially if you are, as you say, establishing yourself a bit more and maybe you you know that you are new to some spaces. I think it's a great reminder. So thank you for sharing that. You're very welcome. Now, as you're sipping uh, something, and if you're just uh, watching, you can... There you go. Um, if you're not watching uh, on YouTube, I have the this or that. Is that what this Ooh, or that section, okay. which is quick fire, and I'm going to have a couple of options, and you need to only choose one. You can only pick one out of these. Mm-hmm. You ready? This or that is coming. Excellent. Okay. Spotify playlist or podcast? Podcast. Voice note or text? Voice note. Oh, nice. You know what? There's a lot of strong contenders where like the voice note is very much hated by a very big contingency of guests. So, wow, I like it. Voice note for myself. Uh, if I'm in a hurry and I need to voice note something to somebody else, I'll do it. But I I use voice notes for ideas all the time because I otherwise I'll just forget to write it down. And then the idea goes away and gets taken by someone else. <laughs> That's actually a great tip. I love that. Carousels or reels? Oh, neither. <laughs> <laughs> okay, then favorite content then. What would it be? Okay. Um, well, I just had to delete TikTok from my phone because it was way too all-consuming. So probably probably uh, short video. <laughs> <laughs> short, short video is what gets us. I see. Mm. Um, then another very important question. Well, probably one of the most important in this or that. Memes or GIFs? Memes. It's hard. Somebody was found a loophole. Can you can you figure out the loophole for this one? Oh, a, a gif with a meme in it. Yes, a, a meme that uses a gif, and I was like, "Yeah, you found the loophole. You win." Smart. And they were like, "What?" I was like, "Respect." Yeah. <laughs> you are now in the matrix. <laughs> you are in, exactly that was blue pill, red pill, or yellow pill. <laughs> yeah. Anyway, and then <laughs> the final question, which I kind of maybe know the answer, but it might be a hard one: newsletter or Twitter. Oh, well, hmm. newsletter is the be-all end-all, but you really need to use something like Twitter or a social media platform to get people there. At least it helps a lot. So I would still say newsletter if you had to start doing something today, but it's going to be hard to grow without Twitter or a social platform of sorts. That's actually fair. That's a good reminder mm-hmm. as well. So I have a couple more questions just to finish us off. Mm-hmm. Uh, well done though, doing the quick fire though, because I know the quick fire can be very, very nerve wracking. It's intense. Um, it's intense. I know it's like, is that intense? Two minutes. Uh, but you did great. You even found a loophole. Now, yes. Uh, what is one we talked about a few already? So that will be interesting to see if there's anything else that comes up. What is one of your favorite, maybe a bit underrated or maybe not well known tools? when it comes to newsletters and email marketing that maybe not everybody knows of? Hmm. Okay, so most people know of ConvertKit. And most people... Mm-hmm. Yeah, so I won't talk about that. 
And you mentioned Sparkloop earlier, so I assume most people are familiar with that. Um, I I like to use a uh, when I'm testing my subject lines. There's a mm-hmm. service called I believe it's called Share Through is the website, and they have a headline analyzer. And nice. so it's good for headlines, but it works you know works for subject lines as well. And so essentially, you just enter your headline. Um, or subject line and it tells you like, is this going to like, it gives you a rating essentially and out of a hundred. And then it also tells you how you can improve it, what you should do to improve it. And then you can kind of like, it's kind of like a game you, and you try to get it as close to a hundred as you can without sounding too clickbaity and too much like a Buzzfeed article. Fun fact on this, cause this is a great suggestion. So we use this a lot when I do like live sessions about email marketing, which we do a lot uh, with different students. I always bring up a subject analyzer because I know that if people are new to it, it can actually be a great way for them to kind of get more confident. And I kid you not, I have to tell the students now, we have a bit more to go. I don't want you to keep testing headlines for the rest of the session. I will see you if you do that because it's obsessed. Like you get, we, I share a few because there used to be, the course schedule one was really good and now there's a paywall-ish to it. So I don't suggest it anymore, but there's quite a few. So I never mm-hmm. heard of the share through one. And I find that that's the problem or the Positive or negative, I'm not sure, is that people get obsessed with it, like trying to beat the numbers. But they're really handy tools, I think, especially if you're not used to write Mm -hmm. headlines. It can really help you with kind of guiding you through that. So thank you for that. You're welcome. Now, I want to know what is the last picture you took on your phone? Oh, Uh, good question. Let's see. Let's see really, really quick so I don't waste all of your time. Um, I think it was probably a picture of my cat on my son's lap. Yep. Yep, there it is. (laughs) Oh, I don't know Cute. if you can see we that even, at all. We even get a bit of a video, if yeah. you are again on YouTube, or if you're not on YouTube, just go on YouTube and see it. Figure it out. Love it. Yeah. Um. Now, on the similar vein, actually, uh, I'm interested in this one. What is your favorite social media platform right now and why? Is it still Twitter? Mm. Uh, yep. Yeah. I Just because the... How it works, you know, it's a it's a written platform for the most part and... Newsletters are mostly consumed by reading and they're written. So it just works really well for that crossover. If people are reading on Twitter, it's, it's just less, it's less of a disconnect than seeing a picture on Instagram and seeing a video on, on TikTok or YouTube or Instagram. And so I think it works almost the best. Now, LinkedIn, you know, can be, you know, you can almost swap them out depending on where your audiences are. If you're more professional B2B, maybe a LinkedIn works better, but more B2C or creator content, solopreneur content, um, Twitter works great there as as well. So personally, I still quite like Twitter and um, I don't use LinkedIn as much as I could or should, but there's also, you know, the, I do have uh, also a full-time job that I want to keep that a little bit on the professional side. So um, not to kind of confuse people, I guess. No, 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 mm-hmm. that's fair. That's fair, actually. And I still see that, again, Twitter has a lot of potential. And actually, there's a lot of nice conversations happening in there still, which I think is great. Mm-hmm. Is there one person that we should follow uh, that you can recommend us just in case we don't know them? Ooh, so if we're talking about newsletter people, um, there Ooh, are... Maybe. There are... There are a few people that I follow that I think are are really handy um, or who are basically doing what I wish I was doing, <laughs> what I wish I could be doing. Um, and there's people, you know, all over, all over the spectrum as well. I have actually my, you know, you can set notifications for when certain people tweet. 
Um, mm-hmm. There's a few. Let me just get them pulled up here because there's probably. Of course, they're not showing them to me right now. Those sons. Of Twitter. Elon. Blame Elon. <laughs> okay, I can't. Listening. Yeah, exactly. Exactly. I can't find it right now. But some of my favorite. From some of my favorite people who are tweeting about newsletters are, um, most recently there's a, a gentleman by the name of Matthew McGarry. And he, the reason mm-hmm. I listened to him, do you know him? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, yeah. I do. So, but obviously I'm going to put it for our <laughs> listeners as well. Yeah. So, uh, for your listeners, he worked for, I think he mostly got to start at the hustle. He was their, basically their paid growth guy. So he did all their, uh, or managed and ran the paid department. So he did all their Facebook ads, uh, some of their video ads. And so he's like really tuned into how to grow a newsletter with paid ads. Um, he's also worked with The Milk Road, um, which a lot of your audiences probably heard of. He's worked with The Gist. He's worked with uh, some other really big newsletters. So he's he's somebody that I follow just because he has insights, not just with paid newsletter growth, but with a number of things. Um, there's a few other people that come to mind, but he would be one of the main ones that I would recommend following in terms of uh, newsletter growth. And then there's, uh, I'm sorry, I'm just scrolling because I, my mind draws a blank when I get asked these questions. So I just need to quickly take a, a peruse, but I also like, no, I can't find him. I can't remember his name. Anyway, I'll, uh, one other girl who's, who's recently gotten a lot of people's radar is Chanel, uh, Chanel Basilio. And she writes a newsletter called Growth in Reverse. And she basically breaks oh, down. Yeah. yeah. You've heard of her. She bakes, breaks mm-hmm. down how newsletters of about 50,000 subscribers or larger got there. And so she doesn't interview the actual um, newsletter publisher. She just goes into basically the catalog of their blog posts, their tweets, their interviews on podcasts, and just basically does this huge research and then uh, does a whole case study on it and figures out how they grew. And so her content is, it's longer form content, but it's a real good deep dive and you can get some really good uh, mm-hmm. takeaways from it. So she's doing an awesome job in that space too. Love it. That's mm-hmm. amazing recommendations. See, we got two amazing ones. So well done. Like even with a little scrolling of doom. Yeah. Um, now I have one final question before I let you say what well, people can find out more <laughs> yeah. about. Yeah. Uh, would be, mm-hmm. I'm going to adapt it because we're talking about newsletters today. So let's adapt it. So if you could send one email onto everybody's phone or in everybody's inbox in this case. So if you could send one email to everybody's inbox, what would that email say? What would that email say? How do I say this without sounding too like much like a fortune cookie? I think it, it would be a lot of people say like, you know, just start and be consistent. That's like kind of one of the common phrases we hear online a lot. And so I would, I would say yes. And do that. And think about being resilient as well, because the journey is long for many of us. You don't go, you know, from point A to point Z right away. It takes, there's a lot of ups and downs and, and, um, challenges and what perceived failures that were actually just lessons and you you rise up from the ashes from them. And so I think the the important thing is to cultivate more of a, a resilient mindset. So my email would be how to be resilient to, you know, that's a terrible um, title because it's very general, but that it would essentially be that messaging. 
um, think about yourself in two years from now where you'll be as opposed to thinking about where you'll be in three months because um, you're not going to make significant progress in three months necessarily as you will if you had stuck with something for two long years. I love that. That's great. Again, and even if, you know, it can be whatever you want it to be because anyway, it's going to be a magical email that will go to everyone. So I love that. I think it's a great amount that everybody could benefit from. So thank you. Thank you for the chat. Thank, Thank you for being my friend for this for this hour. Thank you for being our friend. And if our lovely listeners and students want to find out more about you and about your work and just say hi, <laughs> where should they go? Where can we direct them to finish off? Yes, they can uh, find me at Growth Currency on most channels, but really I will ignore you on all of them except Twitter because I don't <laughs> don't don't really access them too often. Uh, but yeah, at Growth Currency um, and then GrowthCurrency.net is where you can check out the articles I've written and subscribe to the newsletter. And it's a newsletter on teaching you how to start, grow, improve, and monetize your own newsletter. So if that's something you're into, check it out. Thank you so much. And thank you for listening. We really hope that you got up your ropes with the newsletter and you're ready to up your game because I surely got a couple of things that I'm going to be working on. As always, we will be back next week. But in the meantime, let us know what you think. Don't forget to rate and subscribe, please. And thank you. And in the meantime, class is dismissed. Thank you so much for listening. Head to oldmarketingschool.com to find out more about the topics that we covered in this week's class. If you want to make your teachers happy, then hop onto iTunes and leave us a five-star review. Oh, and don't forget to spend the love on Instagram at Alt Marketing School. Until next time.